Hey now, and welcome back to another episode of the Passionate Stewardship Podcast, a podcast for helping professionals who strongly believe in supporting their community and the humans who live there. I am your host, Dr. Sherry. So we're going to keep this DEI train moving right along. And in last week's episode, you know, I mentioned that I was going to share some information on resistance. So we have been thoroughly covering the topic of DEI work and how you can incorporate it into your organizational culture. We've also discussed steps you need to take to conduct that DEI audit. It's important to note that DEI work can be challenging. We have mentioned it, but it's essential for helping professionals and organizations. During this process, you may face resistance from your organization, including your board and client-centered staff. However, it is important to address and work through this resistance, regardless of how uncomfortable it may be. Today, we're going to focus on how to overcome the resistance to change during DEI work within your organization, because it's going to happen. You know, you will hear, I don't know why we have to change or, you know, why do we have to do this? And I was once told there are two things for certain in this world. It was either two things or three things, but I'm going to add the third. So there's three things, change, death, and taxes. Those are three things that are certain in this world. And we resist all of them. (laughs) So you will get resistance and it's okay. But you have to push through the resistance because this work is so important. Human services work and social work, it's important, period. Y'all know how I feel about it. We are 26 episodes in and my feelings haven't changed. I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm all about us showing up as our authentic selves. And if your authentic self, you are not about diversity, equity, and inclusion, then my friend, this work ain't for you, period. This work is not for you. And I encourage you to find another profession. Okay. Okay. Now the term one apple can spoil a bunch can be applicable here when attempting to implement DEI work and getting resistance from staff because the toxicity can be real especially when that person can be a long-standing person within your organization or if that person is upper management and has some level of power or has a level of influence over decision-making and over others. So go grab your notebook and an ink pen because I am going to share seven critical reasons why your folks may resist implementing DEI work into the organizational culture. Because trust me, somebody I'm telling you, somebody is going to resist. Somebody is going to resist and it's not going to be pretty and it's not going to be fun. And just as they resist, you are going to have to push back. As a client center staff person, you are going to have to push back. As an executive director, you are going to have to push back. So. The first is comfort. And because they are familiar, change can disrupt established routines and processes. I mean, think about your own personal life, how sometimes you can get a bit off kilter if your 
structure changes. Because I know for me, I can. I like structure. I like order. And sometimes when that structure or that order is, eh, I can get a little, eh, and my husband is like, eh. So (laughs) imagine this level of work when you are so used to functioning in a certain way within the organization. And now you are bringing this into an organization. And this could cause, you know, your folks to resist because they were comfortable with the existing way of doing things. Shifting cultural norms encourages people to step outside of their comfort zones. Everybody like to be comfortable. Who wants to be uncomfortable? So comfort causing me to be uncomfortable, not me per se, but causing someone to be uncomfortable. No one wants to be uncomfortable. So number two, fear of the unknown. When there is change, professionals may feel uncertain and maybe even worried about the potential consequences of new approaches. They may also be concerned about their ability to adapt and perform effectively in a new cultural context. And that could be hard especially for individuals who have been within an organization for an extended period of time. I remember the first time at being an executive director, I wore red to work one day and one of my staff said to me, is everything okay? And I said, yeah, girl, everything's fine. She was like, because not the executive director who was at the organization before me, But the one before her, she always wore red to work when she was getting ready to fire someone. And I said, oh, I just wore this because I thought it was cute. She had a level of anxiety because I wore red. One, it made her uncomfortable because it was a color that evoked a strong emotion in her. And it was that fear of the unknown, like what is about to happen? It's no different when implementing DEI work. It's that fear of the unknown, like what is going to happen? So these are two things that may cause someone to resist. Number three, power dynamics. Some professionals may resist change because it potentially threatens their organizational roles and influence. Change has the ability to alter power dynamics. Question established hierarchies, and this can lead to resistance from professionals and create resistance among those who benefit from the status quo. So if you are getting resistance from your management team, because they might be concerned that these things that are being put in place, they might be concerned about a shift in power dynamics. Oftentimes, number four is the biggest one of all, lack of awareness or understanding. Some professionals may resist change related to DEI work due to lack of awareness or understanding. Or real talk, they just don't try to understand or acknowledge other cultural differences or contexts. You see, DEI work will challenge your biases. It will uncover some possible prejudices, possible uglinesses that exist within you. I don't even know if uglinesses 
is a word, but it will challenge all of that that exists within your organizational culture. And some may choose not to even try to fully comprehend the significance of diversity, equity, and inclusion, or the potential benefit it can bring to the organization and the organizational stakeholders because they just don't want to. It's almost like they don't want to change. They don't want to acknowledge that there is a problem or they don't want to acknowledge that there is a problem with their thinking. So that in itself will cause resistance. Number five, cultural norms and values. Similar to any organization, Nonprofit organizations also establish their own distinct cultures as time passes. So the executive director before myself, there was an organizational culture when she was there. Now that I've assumed the role, I've created my own organizational culture. It's just the way things are. Professionals may face challenges when dealing with deep rooted cultural standards and principles. Adapting to change or disrupting these norms can be difficult, which is why it's so important that all along the way, training is so important. One of the cultural things that I think people minimize, but that is one of the things that's so important to me, I know it's a cultural thing, and I bring it to the attention of my staff all the time, is answering me in what? In the Black culture, you don't answer folks in what? Because it's a sign of disrespect. It's like, oh, am I, I'm sorry, am I bothering you? What, why, why are you answering me in what? And so in some cultures, that might be okay. But for us, it's not. It's a sign of disrespect. It's a sign like, like I'm bothering you. So I've had to bring that to the attention of my staff. It's a cultural thing, but let's respect it. If there is a cultural thing for you, bring it to my attention so I can respect it. One of my staff absolutely brought something to my attention that I have a habit of doing and she laughed about it, but I kind of took it kind of serious because I I never thought that I did it until she brought it to my attention. So complete transparency. I am partially deaf in my right ear. But one of my Spanish speaking staff brought to my attention, and I'm loud anyway. I talk loud. I laugh loud. I laugh a lot, but I'm, I'm, I'm loud. But she brought to my attention that I have a tendency, and she has a very thick accent, but she brought to my attention that I have a tendency to speak louder to her when she talks to me. I had to take a look at, I had to take a look at that because I wasn't aware of it. And so her and I sat down and talked about it and then I completely understood and I got told her, "When I do it, please bring it to my attention." And she brought it to my attention one day and she said, "Make sure you're doing it again." And she bust out laughing and I totally acknowledged that that's what I was doing and we laughed about it. But I had to really take a look at that because I had to think, why do I do that? Because even though she speaks English, I know she is self-conscious about her English because her accent is so thick. And so I had to take a look at that. Like, Sherry, okay, she's not deaf. So why are you yelling? 
you yelling at her is not going to make her understand your English any better than any other time. So why are you yelling? Now I am more cognizant of it. So I don't do it. And she, you know, she's like, I really appreciate you hearing what I say. You know, you don't, you don't do it anymore. And I'm like, you know, I never, I never really knew I was doing it. And I really appreciate you bringing that to my attention. Those are the kind of conversations we have in our organization, being able to have those kinds of open conversations. But those aren't, that's not the norm. She wasn't offended. And I appreciate that she wasn't offended because I probably would have been crushed if she was offended because I meant no harm. But I didn't even know that I was doing it. But I'm glad she brought it to my attention. So cultural norms, values, acknowledging lack of awareness and understanding and acknowledging other cultures is so important. And when people don't try to do that, one, they are not acknowledging you as an individual. They're not acknowledging you. They are not acknowledging the body that you are in. They are not acknowledging the background that you grew up in. They are not acknowledging your customs, your values, anything that comes along with your culture. They are not acknowledging you. And for that, that is an issue. So number six, resource constraints. I think I said it on the last episode. I know that implementing this kind of work, it can be expensive. So it may require additional resources such as funding and time and personnel, you know, and so professionals might resist this change because they perceive it as, you know, additional work or an additional burden. And we already know if we are a human service professional, we are doing several things all at the same time. So I will completely understand, but this work is so necessary which is why it may be important to hire a consultant, to hire outside help to get this work done. But the work is necessary. So staff is going to have to find a way. And as executive directors and managers, you are going to have to find a way to implement this in their day-to-day without disrupting or without putting too much more additional stuff on their plate. Number seven is resistance to change in general. Like somebody just might not want to change. Like I've been this way all my life. I've been here for 10 years and it's the way we've been doing it for 10 years. So why we got to do it different now? Well, we have to do it different now because the way we've been doing it is not the right way to do it. People, regardless of their professional context or professional background, will have a natural tendency to resist change. It can be difficult to break away from established routines and ways of doing things, you know, leading to resistance and a preference for maintaining the status quo. But maintaining the status quo, if the status quo is harming others, it ain't the way to be. So there has to be a shift. And the truth is, is that if someone continues to resist and if someone does not want to adhere to the changes that are being made organizationally, then that's problematic. And then you might have to think of other ways. 
for that person. Maybe their time at the organization, maybe it's maybe this isn't a good fit for them anymore. If they don't want to adhere to the changes that are being made for the betterment of the organization. Because, you know, in in retrospect, it's it's really it's unfortunate that you have to intentionally teach people DEI work, but you do. And since you do, this is what it is, but you will, people will resist. I promise you people will resist. And because people will resist, there needs to be policies and procedures in place on how to, how to handle those situations. Okay. So another quick, but jam-packed episode filled with some jewels of information. But on a serious note, DEI work is so necessary for the work that we do. And if folks are resistant to the change, you know, maybe you want to do a temperature check. During the temperature check, ask these questions. So don't put your notebook away yet. Ask these questions when you do the temperature check. First question is, on a scale of one to 10, how are you feeling about the work that we're doing? And get them to answer the question. And based on that answer, ask them next, what factors are responsible for that number? And then the next question would be, what could increase that score by one point? And so after you ask, what could increase the score by one point? Then you'll follow up with, if your answer differs from the last time, what caused the change? For instance, Last time you mentioned being a six and now you said a four. What caused this difference? Because then that way you can gauge what happened or what's been going on here in the office or what's come up for you since the last we spoke. Because you as the manager or you as the executive director, that's food for you. That's information for you to really gauge what's going on. And then it also, with the staff person, it allows that person to feel heard and to be able to effectively communicate with you what's been going on. Remember, during this entire process, because it is so hard, it can be so heavy at times, your team should be practicing radical self-care. If they had one of those resource groups and it was hard because there was someone in the group that started their rant of microaggressions or stereotyping groups of clients or stereotyping colleagues, then you have to be okay if there is a staff person that says, you know what? I might need the afternoon or I might need a couple hours to get myself together or I might need a self-care day. You need to make room and space for that. And I know it's hard because we still have a job to do for our clients. But you have to also be intentional about doing DEI work and you have to also be intentional about taking care of your folks in this process because it's not going to be easy. Okay? It's not going to be easy. You gotta ensure that you are intentionally taking care of your folks during this process. And y'all know I am consistently saying since I started 
this podcast some months ago now. You have to be intentionally taking care of your folks every step of the way. And this DEI work is no exception because there will be resistance. And the resistance from others will impact those that are not resisting. So it will be important. So that is all I have for you today. Remember, radical self-care is health care and kindness is free. So be kind to someone today. I love you so much for listening. And until next time, be good to yourself and others. Bye. Thank you.